0: Let us now pray together for the preaching of God's Word. Heavenly Father, you instruct us by your holy scriptures. We petition you by your grace to enlighten our minds and cleanse our hearts, that reading, hearing, and meditating upon your Word, we may rightly understand and heartily embrace the things you have revealed in them. By your Spirit, calls us to not only hear your Word, but keep it, living into conformity with your precepts, relying on Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Please make the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts acceptable in your sight for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord and nearest kinsman redeemer. Amen. Amen. Let us hear our gospel reading today again. Beginning in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the regions of Galilee. These are the words of God. Jesus, the Greek for Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation, helps us understand what's happening in this this part of Galilee. Jesus, as the new Joshua, is leading his disciples through the conquest of the land to the ultimate rest. Jesus the king has come to deliver his people from the bondage of their sin. Israel has corrupted their worship at the temple and their houses for weekly worship. These weekly houses of worship were the synagogues where God's word was to be taught on the day of rest. It has not only become corrupted, but they have become houses of satanic ideas led by satanic leaders. Jesus has come to fight and defeat his enemies. He will fight for the condition of Israel. Jesus is the great warrior king who has come to crush the head of the serpent. Many were worshiping the deceiver. Jesus came to refute the lies of Satan. Satan hates to be exposed. As you know, Jesus has, had already resisted Satan by using the Word of God and defeated all of his temptations in the wilderness. And again, I'll point out, the wilderness pictures the land that is cursed. It's not growing. It's not thriving. It's not a place flowing with milk and honey, but rather, it's dried up. Barely anything there, and there are wild animals there. It's interesting, though, following the call of his disciples, Jesus doesn't take him through the same methodology. He doesn't take his disciples out to the wilderness to confront Satan. No, what does he do? He takes them to a local synagogue. At this synagogue in Capernaum, Jesus will be confronted by one of Satan's underlings, and Jesus will defeat him as well. Why? Because Jesus speaks words of authority. Again, in verse 21, it says, They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And remember, I I keep saying this, but every time you see that word immediately in Mark, you know, it's this pattern over and over and over again. Eight times just in chapter one. And we need to say, wait a minute, if that's a pattern that's reoccurring, we've got to look at it. So, what is happening here? On the Sabbath day, he entered the synagogue. Jesus is teaching us that the people of God go to worship every week. Jesus reminds us of this. Jesus understood that worship was warfare. We enter into the Father's presence. We confess our sins. Ascend into His presence by the grace provided in Christ Jesus. And what happens in that time? God says... The Father says, tell me what you want me to do. What do you think is happening when we come up here? Right? We've said prayers, but but then folks come up here and they bring prayers. Lord, the Father's saying to us, What do you want me to do? This is why our petitions sometimes are long. People, I keep I keep saying this to you, don't become discouraged by the length of the prayers. All week long we're praying. is hearing us, but there is a difference coming together as God's people, ascending into his presence, having confessed our sins, and taking our petitions to our loving Father. Where what happens? God speaks with authority, shakes the gates of hell, and changes not just the general world, but our world. We must see that God responds to his people's requests. And God acts by his word. The battle is fought with the word of God. What was the response as he taught? They were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as, as, as one having authority and not as the scribes. We hear God's word and it is truly authoritative for all of life. Not just morality, but it is also the truth of reality. God's Word is not just about making you smart. It is not just about your intellect and how much you know. It's not just about gaining knowledge, but to be transformed by the Word. If you're not being transformed by the words of the triune God, you are not hearing right. God's word transforms us into his image. We live in a day where many cry that we must live in neutrality. Our faith must not have an impact in the way that we live or the way that we speak, especially in public. When Jesus came, he declared the kingdom of God was at hand. When Jesus speaks the word of God, he speaks with authority. Jesus is God and the new man anointed by the Spirit to bring in the new age. Jesus' word forces us to take sides. There is no neutrality in God. There cannot be two authorities in the place of worship. When God speaks in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy about bringing the prophet, referencing his son, Jesus Christ, Deuteronomy 18.18, it says this, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him." So when Jesus comes and he brings us the word, God expects us to hear it, believe it, do it know that it's true, speaking with authority. I'll point out here that he says that God says of Jesus that he will speak to them all that I command him. What does that remind us of? Our commission, the fish to be fishers of men, right, and the great commission. We are to what? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them all that I have commanded. There is a line of demarcation, not just about morality and right and wrong, but in reality about what's actually happening in the world. Jesus speaks with authority. It's not a debate. The rabbis of Jesus' day, they loved to debate. They loved to pit one teacher against another. They wanted to bring to bear all the great teaching as long as it was against each other. This is a very Greek way of debating things philosophically. If you look at Acts chapter 17, where Paul goes up there, it says that up on Mars Hill, when they go up there, they want to go up there and hear the new doctrine, right? They want to hear it contending with others. All about the wrestling match. You see, if you've been in Sunday school, you, you've heard some of these discussions that we've been having about how the Sadducees had, had become more Hellenistic in their thought. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And, and how they were just all about themselves and their perspective and how they could maintain power. Right? And in that, they, were, they wanted to be like the Greeks. Debating all the time. Never coming to an absolute truth. But always, what's the new doctrine? Itching ears. How can we be like the world? They weren't interested in living in accordance to God's word. But Jesus, when he comes, he doesn't bring debate. Jesus is a teacher who speaks with authority and power that changes things. Jesus was referred to as a teacher all throughout the Gospel of Mark. And when he teaches, he then demonstrates great power. You know, Jesus is called the teacher in Mark 4 as the disciples are in the storm. Teacher, save us. What does he do? He gets up, he speaks with authority, and the storm becomes peaceful. Jesus is called a teacher by Jarius. And what happens? He raises Jairus' daughter to life. We see in Mark chapter 9, we see a boy with an unclean spirit. And the father says, teacher, help my son. He even says, help my disbelief. But what happens? He delivers the boy from the unclean spirit. In Mark chapter 10, we find when someone comes up and says to him, teacher, Tell me what I must do to inherit life. Jesus gives the words of life, eternal life. It's transforming, it's authoritative, and it changes the world. It's fascinating, though, even those who plot against Jesus in Mark 12 call Jesus teacher. God's word is spoken absolutely and firmly by Jesus, even to those who plot against him. And this distinguishes him from the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees. It's different from those who want to debate God's word. Because those who want to debate God's word, are not interested in repentance. Jesus speaks with certain clarity because these are the words of God. Jesus, by the word of God, exposes the synagogue of Satan. Verse 23 tells us, Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have you to do? What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Remember that the concept of unclean in the Old Testament is specifically about those things which make you unable to enter the sanctuary of God. Jesus came to remove the barriers so that we could enter the sanctuary. His miracles throughout all the Gospels not only heal people physically, but careful study will show that these were the actual physical ailments of the Old Testament that would keep you, would make you unclean and keep you from entering the tabernacle or the temple. In the Old Testament, we don't see Demons are unclean spirits very much. We see King David, shortly after his anointing, able to bring deliverance and peace to Saul's unclean spirit. Jesus, the greater David, starting here shortly after his anointing as the priest king, will constantly confront unclean spirits and will bring deliverance to Israel. Later in the Gospel, Mark will make it clear that Jesus was continually casting unclean spirits out of the synagogues all over Israel. Satan had infiltrated the temple, but also all of the synagogues over Israel. If you look throughout the Old Testament, we see corruption of worship along with idolatry the, as the pattern of Satan to bring destruction to God's people. Like C.S. Lewis's demon, Screwtape, he's not interested in churches that are not following God's word. If, if they're already idolatrous and dead, the senior tempter, Screwtape, is telling Wormwood, his, his nephew, hey, you don't have to worry about them. We got them. We don't have to do that. I'm much more worried about this small group over here who's reading God's word conforming to it, and worshiping rightly. We're worried about those. Keep him away from that. You see, churches that believe God's word over their own repent when they recognize that they are not in alignment with God's word. Churches who are not interested in having their ears tickled are Satan's targets beginning with pastors and elders, but even everyone here. So we should pray for each other and for your elders and pastors. This infiltration, though, it's not a new tactic. If you look at history, all tyrants have come in to attack the church. They know that the church of Jesus Christ is a threat to their power and attempts of revolution. The only effective opposition to satanic revolution is the gospel proclamation that Jesus is Lord and that he alone is the way of salvation. Jesus is the only way to make men whole again. Jesus, by his salvific work, transforms us so that we are able to worship God and truly love our neighbors. Jesus came to change the condition of Israel and deliver them from their unclean status, casting out demons and false prophets. Speaking of the days of Christ, Zechariah 13.2 says this, It shall be in that day, says Yahweh of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, and they shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and unclean spirit to depart from the land and Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy beginning right there in that synagogue that day the people of Israel needed to drop their own ideas about what is good and about how change should come do you recognize that those who hate God they don't want to reform things they don't want to reform institutions they want to do what tear them down destroy them And what is their message? The message of Satan. He's all about being self-righteous. That is to say, oh, I'm doing a good thing on my own, to my own ends and means. And you over there, you're doing something wrong and evil. That's Satan's lie. He wants you to justify your actions, your views, your thoughts above the words of God's. Satan has convinced many that telling someone the truth is hate speech. You and I, we cannot remain neutral. The mantra of our day, even among some in the church, is that we must affirm people in their sin. They claim that it is love to affirm people in their sin. It is not. It is not love to, te- to let people go to hell without warning them. No, we must be like Jesus in Luke 19:10 where it says, "Where the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost, we must proclaim that people must seek forgiveness and life in Jesus. That is salvation. That is the gospel of grace. In Jesus, we are forgiven, transformed and set free from bondage. Jesus came to give us abundant life. Not so with Satan. In John 10.10, Jesus tells us, The thief does not come except to do what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. And then what does Jesus say about himself? I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now listen to what the man with the unclean spirit says. He cried out saying, Let us alone. What? Have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Notice that Jesus is not welcome. And the very place that Jesus should be received with joy has become the place that doesn't want to hear the words of God. The unclean spirit even goes so far as to say, What do you have to do with us? Now, this is not just about the man and the spirit. When he says we, he's referring to the people in the synagogue. You see, the synagogue wasn't just a building. In order to form a synagogue, you had to have people. The requirement in those days is you had to have at least 10 men over the age of 13. So the synagogue is not the building. It's the people. So when he says we, it is collectively those people in the synagogue because they are what? They want want to see the new doctrine. They want to see the debate. They don't want to hear the words of God. The unclean spirit says together, representing the group, that they don't want Jesus in their unclean synagogue. Of course, not being welcome is not enough. Satan does this, and this is, again, an old tactic of Satan. And if you, again, look at history, and you even look in the world today, you will see this. Satan accuses us of what he is doing. The enemies of God accuse God and his people of what they're doing. It's not that Jesus has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to bring life. This is a picture of the cosmic war. Jesus has come to bring life, to bring restoration, to make all things new. And what do they want to do? They want to destroy. They want to tear down. Satan the deceiver drives his, excuse me, Satan the deceiver attacks Jesus and his disciples. And he first accuses Jesus, and then you'll see later on in the narrative of Scripture, the disciples as well, that they are trying to destroy the world, to bring down the powers. You know, Jesus as king is always political. As his church, we are being accused of hating people and trying to destroy the world. We must reject this accusation. We need to remember that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Jesus is the Anointed One to bring True life, abundant life. It's important that we see that Jesus doesn't get into a debate with the demon. So sidebar. All right, don't go out in the marketplace and get in a bunch of debates. It's largely unhelpful, particularly in social media. Right? What did Jesus do? He didn't debate with the demon. But what was he constantly doing? He was what? Going to people. Seeking that which was lost. Relationship. Face to face. Right? That's where God's word is powerful. When you just throw it out there, I'm not saying it never comes back empty. But you are, don't debate out there. Stand on God's word. Live your life the way God says to live it. When they ask you. Share the word. But be seeking. Be a fisher of men. Jesus follows the part, and and here's just a proof text on this. Jesus follows the pattern of what God did with Satan in the garden. Right? God comes into the garden after the fall, and he asks Adam questions about what's happened. He's asked Eve questions about what happened. He never asks Satan what happened. What would you do? No, Satan just receives the curse. So let us remember that we do not need to respond to all these accusations. Satan doesn't get to explain. God just brings the curse upon him. Hear the strong words of Jesus. Jesus, but Jesus rebuked him saying, Be quiet come out of him! and when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice he came out of him. Jesus as the anointed rebukes and silences the unclean spirit again I tell you there cannot be two authorities in the place of worship Jesus will cleanse the temple twice and in mark 13 finding the unclean leprosy in the house that is the temple will speak the strong word that will bring the final destruction to the temple and the false prophets. Jesus here puts a muzzle on the unclean spirit and the spirit convulses and cries out and comes out of the man. Jesus frees the man. It reminds us that the work of Jesus brings deliverance far as the curse is found. May God deliver us and bring us new direction in our life like Jesus did for this man. So what what is the response of the people in the synagogue? Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately... His fame, that is Jesus' fame, spread throughout all the region of Galilee. You know, their response was they questioned what happened among themselves, and they rightly identified that it was a different doctrine than the doctrines that they practiced. They even recognized that the unclean spirits were subject to Jesus' authority, and that He dis- dispensed that jesus dispensed of that spirit it is amazing apparently that they weren't alarmed to have found a demon in their place of weekly worship you think about that they're amazed at this stuff and this new doctrine and all this but they're not alarmed that an unclean spirit was in their place of weekly worship The scripture doesn't record that they repented or decided that they needed to be subject to King Jesus. They did talk about what had happened, and they talked about it vigorously. What happened? Jesus' fame spread throughout all of Galilee. This is what happens when God's word becomes only an intellectual pursuit and not the words of life. We must receive God's word and rejoice that the King has come. We can rejoice in the redemption that Jesus has brought. Jesus has transformed us. If we've been living in our own comfort zone, living a life of compromise, repent and remember God's word in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of the light for the fruit of the spirit in all goodness righteousness and truth finding out what is acceptable to the lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them you and i we cannot be aligned with satanic thinking we are now children of the light we are to find out what is acceptable to the Lord being conformed to the Word of God because Jesus has set us free Jesus has forgiven and transformed us we need God to deliver us from striving to be acceptable to popular ideas and culturally fashionable to the unbelieving world people of God do not become weary of being dedicated to the kingdom of God Keep Biblical worship central. Do not tire of Christian education. Do not neglect hospitality. Young people, stay steady with Biblical courting or dating. Parents, stay consistent with spanking and Biblical discipline. Husbands, wives, children, families, Be subject to your authorities. We do not want to have a form of godliness but deny its power. We do not want to reject the words of God and find that we have become a synagogue of Satan that has our own agenda. Do not fear the tactics of Satan, for one little word will fell him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, by your grace and mercy, grant us your help in our time of need. We thank you that Jesus has provided our redemption and has transformed us. Help our unbelief to become sure by your Spirit to action in our words and deeds. We ask all this for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.